I know that Bible passages, like the one we read from Mark chapter 13 for our gospel reading today, can be quite popular nowadays because they speak about the end times. And maybe it's because there's so much going on in our world, you know, that, that makes us nervous. We hear so much about it on the news and it has us all kind of thinking about, well, are these the end of days? But there's a problem as we look at a passage like Mark chapter 13 and immediately using it as a predictive text, right? There's often unhelpful rabbit holes that we get led down if we think that this passage is just all about the end times. Now, let me be very clear. As we work our way through this scripture passage this morning, we just have to be careful of what we assume. Scholars do agree that this is an apocalyptic passage of Scripture, but as I've discovered, that this word apocalyptic actually has a very broad meaning to it. It's not necessarily just about the end of days and the apocalypse, but it's about a changing of a season, things kind of being a little different. And so we have to keep all this in mind as we look at Mark chapter 13 this morning. I've titled this sermon, and this will get your attention, Your Own Personal Apocalypse. Please, pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles with me right away to Matthew chapter 24. Now, you're probably thinking, but pastor, didn't you just say that this sermon is based on Mark 13? Yes, yes I did, but we have to get something out of the way first. Matthew chapter 24, and you're going to look for verse 36. Matthew 24. Verse 36. And now some of you have the Pew Bibles, which is great. Maybe you brought your own Bible or you have it on your phone. Whatever version you're reading from, I want us to read Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, out loud together. Are you ready? Just read whatever's in front of you. Let's go together. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Good. Stop there. Great. I wanted to read that verse first so that we can remember that only God knows when the world is going to end. The scriptures tell it to us plainly. You just read it. I heard you read it. And so only God knows the hour or the day. And so as we look at this passage from Mark today, you have to promise me that you're not going to try and use this as some sort of predictive text. That you're not going to say, oh, look, it tells us that on June 24th, the world is going to end. The Bible says that's not how it works. Can we all agree on that? Okay, good, good. See, (laughs) you see, this passage from the day from Mark chapter 13 is what scholars call an apocalyptic passage. It's a section of scripture where Jesus speaks about the end of this current season and the beginning of a new season under heaven. And lots of very well-meaning people and pastors and authors have used this passage and others ones like it to try and predict the exact time when the world will come to an end. Just a few years back, there was a man named Harold Campering, and he spent thousands of dollars and had billboards and signs and websites, and he did all that he could to try and spread the message that May 21st, 2011 
would be the exact date that the Bible told us that the world would come to an end. And now here we are seven and a half years later. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Harold was wrong and that Harold's pastor never had him read Matthew 24, verse 36. Here's the thing, though. I think that Harold's attempt to nail down the precise date when the world would end represents a deeper underlying human tendency. I think within a lot of us, there exists this need to try and know things, to have the insider information, to be in on the joke. We like to have important knowledge of the truth. Harold wanted to be the guy who told the world about the date of the end of times. And we can laugh and say, that seems so silly. But the truth is that at this exact moment, if we look at social media, there are thousands of people who are claiming to know exactly how to fix the country, exactly how to count the ballots in Florida, exactly how to cook the perfect turkey on Thursday. We like to claim that we know things. We like to feel special in these ways and in control. We like to be helpful and informed and secure and in control and impressive. Which brings me to Jesus' disciples from the reading from Mark today. So often in the scriptures, the disciples serve as the perfect picture of human frailty. So often the disciples act and behave in such a way that is just so true to our human tendencies. And in today's gospel from Mark, it's no different. Go ahead and open your Bibles now to Mark chapter 13. And as you're turning there, just a little background. Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem. And you'll remember from last week's reading and sermon that Jesus was in the temple. And he was telling everyone, hey, be careful of the scribes who wear fancy robes and preach long sermons and who throw their money around to try and impress everyone. And so that's what happens right before our reading this morning from Mark chapter 13. Look with me at verse 1. It tells us, as Jesus came out of the temple, where he had just been saying all those things, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and large buildings. Okay, stop there. Jesus has just finished warning the disciples about being impressed by the earthly standards of the world. Don't be impressed by scribes in their fancy robes. And now, not a moment later, as they step out of the temple, a disciple says to Jesus, Hey, I know what you said about being impressed by fancy robes and scribes, but look at these impressive stones. <laughs> the disciples have what you would call an earthly mindset. They're impressed by things and stuff and large stone buildings. I'm sorry, Mr. Disciple, sir, but is that large building going to give you eternal life? I'm confused, Mr. Disciple, sir. Is that large building able to change the entire course of human history? I'm sorry, Mr. Disciple, sir, but is that large building God incarnate? No, no, no. As I said, the disciples have an earthly mindset. They're focused on things down here rather than the things that really matter, rather than that which comes from above. You see, Jesus is constantly trying to get us all to look at the world a little bit differently. Because Jesus knows that so much of our pain, so much of human brokenness and sinfulness and suffering comes from when we concern ourselves with earthly matters. Maybe, maybe you're the type of person 
who spends a lot of time carefully ensuring that you accomplish a lot. You work yourself ragged trying to make sure that you're a member of every committee, your name is listed in all the programs, your picture's on all the publications, people know who you are because you've accomplished so much and everyone is just so impressed with all the ways that you are helping and achieving. And now this is all well and good. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but let's be honest, accomplishments and accolades are earthly matters. If that's where your focus is, you might be missing Jesus in the mix. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're the type of person who wants to be unique. You want people to marvel at how interesting and special you are. And so you spend lots of time and energy making sure that your opinions are just a little different. Your clothing makes a statement. And you are seen in every social situation as being truly uncommon in all the best ways. Sure, this is all well and good. But all this worrying and planning and focus on how others think about you is just an earthly matter. And if that's where your mind is all the time, are you thinking about what Jesus asks of you? Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're the type of person who has to control everything. You tell people the way that it should be. You let people have their say, but you just are going to do it your way regardless. Because after all, you're right. Everyone is entitled to their own wrong opinion. And so you make sure that your coworkers and family members get with the program because that's the way it's going to be. And this is all well and good. It can be actually really efficient to act like that. But if you're always focused on spending all your energy on instituting your program, are you paying attention to what Jesus might have to say in the mix? None of what I'm describing here is inherently wrong. But it becomes sinful when we let these narratives dominate our entire life. When we want to have our accomplishments acknowledged, when we want to be unique, when we want to be in control, those are false gods. We can become so obsessed with accomplishing our goals or looking impressive or establishing our agenda and being in control that we completely lose sight of what Jesus has told us actually matters. We need a Jesus mindset, church. We need to see the world in a new way. We need to constantly be considering how Jesus would look at a situation so that we aren't led astray by the false perspectives that the devil feeds us. Let's be clear. If you think that having your name on a plaque or being internet famous is more important than caring for others, then you've been fooled by the devil. If you think that having everything go your way or having everyone else submit to your program and ideas is more important than working together and loving your neighbor, then you've been fooled by the devil. If you think that having the adoration and admiration of everyone you meet is more important than worshiping God, then you've been fooled by the devil. Okay. Now get those Bibles out one last time. I know, I'm sorry. I should have given you the warning. We're still in Mark 13. But I need to show you how Jesus responds to the disciples, who are clearly fooled by the devil at this point in time. Just like you and me, the disciples are fooled. Look at these large buildings, Jesus. Look at these large stones. Isn't this the best thing you've ever seen? Now look with me at Mark 13, verse 2. 
This is what Jesus says in response. Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. Let me put it to you plainly. Jesus says, you see these large stone buildings, these large stones, they have fooled you, and I'm going to tear that to the ground. Not one stone will be left here upon another. In other words, Jesus is saying to the disciples, you've got to change your perspective. These buildings and stones aren't what matters. I'm what matters, Jesus says. And now let me break this point down to you because there's some really interesting pieces going on in this exact statement from Jesus. Jesus is saying that he's going to destroy the temple, but when you look at the original Greek language and the specific words used here, Jesus is actually making an even more powerful statement than that. You see, earlier in Mark chapter 12, Jesus tells his disciples that he is the cornerstone that the builders have rejected. And now here in Mark chapter 13, Jesus uses the same exact word. Because what Jesus is saying to the disciples is that this temple with all its large stones, none of it will be permitted to stand on the eternal cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Every stone will be cast down and I will be all that remains, Jesus says. You see, Jesus isn't impressed by the glory of this world. And neither should you be. Everything in your life must be built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Nothing can truly stand if it's not built on the cornerstone of Jesus. So if you're trying to build your life on a long list of accomplishments, that's not going to stand. If you're trying to build your life on always getting your way, that's not going to stand. If you're trying to build your life on always being special and unique, that's not going to stand. A life built on these false promises will not stand. We've got to look at things differently. We've got to build our self-worth on what Jesus says about us. We've got to build our lives on serving the mysterious and mystical ways of Jesus rather than demanding control or demanding a compliment. We've got to build our lives on the unwavering love of Jesus that continually tries to Prove to us that we are special just the way we are. You might be thinking that you just can't do that. These personality patterns that I've been pointing out are very common and very hard to break. But that's really just the devil whispering in your ear. The truth is that Jesus is the one who can make all of this possible. Jesus is the one who can usher in a completely new way of life. A different reality, a whole new world where our lives are built upon the freely given promises of God, those promises of love and grace. I told you in the beginning of the sermon that people call it an apocalyptic passage. Scholars speak about this Mark passage as being apocalyptic. And unfortunately, we've been taught that apocalypse means fire and brimstone and the complete end of the earth. But this term apocalyptic also means the ending of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. You see, that's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants you to have an apocalypse in your life. Your own personal apocalypse where all the false promises of the devil that you've been building your life upon come 
toppling down so that you can finally see the world in a new way. So that you can finally live free from all the burdens that have been placed upon you. Reformation, look yourself in the mirror today. Are you being led astray? Are you building your life on empty promises and false narratives? Jesus says that has to end. This way of life, we cannot get all caught up in it. It has to end. It has to be torn down stone by stone by stone. Accomplishments will not save you. Clinging to control will not save you. Being liked by everybody will not save you. Only Jesus can mend what is broken and end what is wrong. Only Jesus can guide you into a new perspective and a new life. The new life that you were destined for. So let's have an apocalypse, shall we? Let's let Jesus tear down that within us that needs tearing down. And let's allow the new life of Jesus to take shape within us. Amen.